0: You're
1: listening to The Packernet Podcast Network
0: It's only a kick A jump A block It's only a serve It's only a tackle A run It's only for the fans After all, it's only pressure you got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're hear in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
1: going on everybody welcome back to the it's always draft season podcast part of the pack net podcast network with mason thompson and jake shivank here with you guys a podcast that you all know we love the first round receivers we stand eric acosta and we're just a fan of drafting good players and we're going to talk about one of those i think good players to start this podcast off but first mason how are you doing on this fine thursday evening
2: i'm doing okay we had a few recruiting visits this week so it's kind of been a Busy week, just kind of roaming around campus and everything, doing some stuff, uh, some work around campus for the gymnastics team and everything, plus watching these quarterbacks. It's been uh, kind of an adventurous week, so to
1: speak. There you go, adventurous week, and it's kind of an adventurous uh, group of quarterbacks, this go-around. Obviously, I think the appetites were there (laughs) after 2022's class. Uh, That was... Not a good time. How about how crazy would it be that, you know, of course, the 2022 putrid class Brock Purdy comes out and just starts to wow. That's that's about as fitting as it gets for that 2022 class. Yeah, Um, but I want to do something a little bit different to start this week. And I think it's a good one. We're going to kind of do every week. I I imagine Um, the draft philosophy question of the week. And I think we'll start out really simple uh, with this one, Mason. How high would you draft Texas running back B. John Robinson? Obviously, this is a debate that's uh, what about five ish years yeah. that started first per se about running yeah. backs and and where their value is. I think 2017 was the class. Is that right? 17. It was Fournette McCaffrey, yes. right? Top ten yeah. picks. Obviously, Cook and, and Mixon were were picked uh, on day two, as well as Kamara and, and Hunt. That was like kind of the barometer we're setting yeah. for this this coming class, actually. But I think that's when it really started where it's like, okay, how, how much should you really value even the top guys in the NFL drafts? But enter B. John Robinson, who I mean, yeah, it speaks for itself, basically. Yeah. Uh, but Mason, how, if, where would you, you know, potentially be looking at to draft B. John Robinson?
2: I think it uh I think it's a loaded question just because of the For player sure and the position. Um obviously Bijan isn't just a running back. You can put him in the slot, you can use him as a weapon any which way you want. Um I feel I can't remember if it was Stock Exchange or if it was a draft network video I watched earlier this week. And I fully agree with I think I think it was and Connor Rogers on Stock Exchange. They said like if you have a team an offense that desperately needs that one missing piece, whether it be a running back, whether it be another receiver, like they contemplated it to Buffalo pretty much. I think that's pretty much if you're a team like that, I think he, whether you're mid teens, wherever so it be, maybe, obviously, we're in a different league now where as we were in 2017, where you can get guys like Aaron Jones in the fifth round. Um, obviously, Kyle Shanahan before Christian McCaffrey got traded there was using fifth and sixth round running backs even after even after drafting another one in the third round. Um, I feel I feel kind of like it's just like a depending on where your team is type thing. um obviously, B. John's definitely a top five player in the class. So I think it's a very loaded question. Just because of the position and everything, but I would probably take him top ten, pending what else the team needs and everything. But it's I get the argument.
1: Yeah, it's hard when you, you know that when you're drafting one of these guys, especially if you don't do it in the first round, like you're, you have just a four year deal. Especially if it's a day two pick, it's it's pretty much a four year locked in deal, and. Once they start producing at a high level, you're like, all right, this is great. Our team, we're, we're cooking with this guy. And I and I really think this is going to be both the Jets next year with Brees Hall and, of course, Seattle with Kenneth Walker, right? I think you would probably imagine Jacksonville again is going to continue to get this yeah. out of Travis Etienne. Like at some point, then you're three or four, you need to start thinking about, you know, continuing to recycle this. But if he's good enough, That's when the extension comes in. But usually the production teeters off a little bit before the end of the second contract, you know, guys like, like, I don't know. Dalvin cook spent a little bit of strange evaluation consistently through Minnesota's uh, obviously changing offenses that they've had coordinator wise and head coach wise over the last few years. But like his place here, obviously Elliot's nowhere near the same player he was in his first contract with Dallas. So, and that all comes down to, again, this this class versus all these free agents that we're going to see a running back, right? Like Josh Jacobs had the career year right before the contract. Miles Sanders comes back as a monster year before the contract. Saquon Barkley has a monster year before the contract.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, philosophically speaking, like they matter to an extent. The problem is, is there's so many that yeah. unless you have, like I'm talking upper quartile of upper quartile elite, that's the, that's elite top three or four there's just you can't you can't put that kind of deal on on your books and but if you're a team that like mason like you said if you're feel like this offense is missing a b john robinson you make that move 100 like like Hmm. we're gonna talk landing spots for b john robinson i think here as well but like Obviously, Buffalo's certainly in that conversation. Yeah. I don't think the Chiefs should be out of that conversation necessarily nope. either. I know nope. people have been like, yes, Jarek McKinnon's come along. That's awesome. He has. He might have the Damian Williams run that, that yeah. Williams had four or three years ago. Right. And, and Pacheco's a nice player. But like, like Bijan makes your offense a serious problem because now the defense actually has to commit more bodies to the run because of how good Robinson is. Robinson's a good pass catcher. He's almost in that almost positionless category that you put McCaffrey yeah. in, which again, that's been a bit of a conversation this week as well about how positionless the 49ers offense is, <laughs> right? Like because Bijan Robinson is a little more positionless than other running backs. His value should be, should be higher. And he's really the player who should break the mold of the, of this, you know, running back mattering type of conversation. Cause he is that elite yeah. player would i take him in the top 10 potentially i think there are though more teams that should be on him in the first round than people believe and i think more yeah. will be i know a lot of people say philly's the landing spot in the at what 10 10 yes 10 that's just not a roseman thing it would no. be very unlike him he if he's going to make a move like that it's it's via trade um yeah that's just not a drafting move for him. I don't think Atlanta will do it. I think they like what they have in their room. But makes I think... sense, too. Yeah. Mason, do you have any, like... I- I'm going to save mine. Do you have any, like, landing spots that you like that we... You know, obviously, you know, we talked about Philly, Buffalo, and the Chiefs who are, like you said, right in that window of, like, oh, if Sanders leaves, we're this guy away, so let's yeah. just get that guy again in the draft rather than paying Sanders or, you know, with Buffalo as well.
2: I mean... Obviously, like Carolina sticks out, but I don't think they're gonna do that. Um, just because of the quarterback need, and if they even have that first round pick, I know they're kind of going what's seemingly all in on Sean Bain, which is for a different discussion. Um I've seen some small talk about potentially like even Arizona if they trade down. I think that could be a decent fit. And then there's been a lot of talk about like even Detroit at this point, which I would hate. As a DeAndre Swift dynasty owner, um, I actually similar to Buffalo, the Chargers even,
1: yes, like, yes, just move
2: Eckler and Bijon just around everywhere, yep. And then, of course, like Baltimore sticks out too, like, any of those teams, like, kind of scream it a little bit, obviously, a little bit less for Detroit. I think the Chargers could go in a different direction, Baltimore has. Cap issues where they might take a corner round one at this point, just because they're going to seemingly lose Marcus Peters. It's, it's unknown just because the position and what every other team is going to do as well.
1: Yeah. There, there are, I think, yeah, more teams that can make it. It's going to be that same conversation you often have, you know, with a tight end or a guard, right? You're like, we could take this guy. We don't necessarily have to take this guy. I I know you're a big fan of DeAndre Swift. Yes. I think the Lions should absolutely consider that. Especially at really, especially at eighteen. Yeah. Especially at eighteen.
2: Like I was yeah. I mean, Swift you could is a make little
1: a bit of a Swift is a little bit of a like loves to bounce around. He loves mm-hmm. to be east west a lot. Yeah. He just doesn't um, hit the whole- he doesn't, and that's not to say Bijan doesn't leave a little bit on the bone. Yeah, I'll say as a rusher sometimes, but like, man, he is different. I I I think they would be comfortable moving off of Swift, moving off of Jamal Williams if it meant landing Bijan Robinson. We've seen them yeah. get aggressive at skill position. They yeah. obviously moved away from tight end with with Hawkinson, but they, I mean, not wanting to pay him and seeing what you're getting out of Brock Wrights actually, yeah, like pretty decent considering and plus you have you know five picks in the top 81 so yeah it's not like in a what we think is a pretty decent tight end class you can't add one later they just stick out to me as a team that would that just if they really like golf if they're really not dipping their toes in quarterback this year you might as well ride golf out to the yeah. end with everything possible that you can get out of it yeah like bijan would do that i feel like they're in a very good situation where even if it's
2: like a, I mean, you just mentioned it earlier. You mentioned tight end in that conversation too. Like if Mayor and Bijan are sitting there, like which one does Detroit take?
1: Like I don't know. You just said
2: Brock Wright. I would take Bijan. No. They're in such a situation where like, obviously they're going to take most hopefully defense with their top pick and like 18, you can almost like do anything at that point. And then you've got the three other selections in the top 85. So I think we're going to be talking about it for months but Detroit's just a fascinating team this draft cycle.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um yeah, you mentioned the Chargers, I think that's a great one too because I think a lot of people are going to try and pigeonhole well, I guess they could pigeonhole a couple things. I think Corner makes a lot of sense for them too even so I think, you know, JC Jackson, how confident do you feel with him coming back, you know? I think Michael Davis has 1 year left. I think it's it 1 look, year. Though. It's one year, or he's actually a free agent. I think it's one, but like the the Eckler's only got one year. I know that for sure. Like, I know people want to pigeonhole the speedster in there, like Hyatt, maybe Addison if they, you know, he falls at 22. But like early down runs for the Chargers when they've needed early down runs have been just putrid. And that's partially on Lombardi, especially in that playoff game. You know, he ran off a left tackle who was their the backup because Sawyer was dealing with injury you're running at at the new guy coming in that's I mean that's bad but like I don't know Eckler feels like the type of player you could very much throw in the slot a lot and Bijan too and like like yeah. you said move them both around and give Herbert a ton of options that's something I think Frank Reich would like a lot if he becomes our <laughs> offensive coordinator by the way I mean it's just that's just, tremendous. That's just that's just something to watch off season. If Frank Wright goes to L.A., just saying. I, I think he might kind of just, you know, yeah. give a nudge to, to what Bijan can do. And you mentioned with Baltimore, they can't pay Dobbins unless it's going to be yeah. like really low money after this coming year, right? Like they're going to pay Lamar, it sounds like. They're, yeah. they're not letting him walk. That's <laughs> that's a smart move. Uh, like going young at running back makes a lot of sense. And Lamar and Bijan is just super unfair.
2: That is that be scary. Super no matter unfair. what their receiving core looks like, get a guy in round two and
1: go for it. I guess the Bijan landing spots are a plenty. Like yes. Dallas, you know, are they going to bring back Pollard? Are they going to try and shed Zeke's contract? Who knows? And then there's our old team here that we work at the podcast network, sitting at pick yeah. fifteen. Packer fans actually like legitimately hate this. They hate and it. I I think that. There would be there would be riding outside of Goody's window, um, yeah. If if he actually did that, questions. Aaron Jones coming back, yeah. And Dylan, I I kind of like it.
2: I mean, when it's twenty point <laughs> one million and it's like three and a half more than the next running back for this year, it's 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 bad. 7 has got to be done with that contract.
1: Yeah, we have got time to figure that out. But I do think yes. that would be a lot of fun. Fifteen is <laughs> a weird spot, man. Yeah. It's a weird spot. I don't like it. They're like they don't well, it, it is it's such a weird spot that like, you know, we've talked about this already. The Packers are getting mocked like mayor at 15. Yeah. Like that doesn't feel like, "Oh, that's awesome," right? That feels like oh, no. Awesome. And that's where that like 13 to 18, maybe even to the 20s area is kind of like very math right now yes. because you're going to get all these studs with all the athletic traits off off the face this planet and if you don't need a corner and you're not going to go luxury yeah. a corner like you're going to be sitting in that area that's the Bijan area someone's going to do it someone's going to make the move and draft Bijan obviously it's going to be Seattle right they don't have enough running backs in there oh boy <laughs> no all right let's shift gears a little bit now <clears throat> off the Bijan train that's going to be a lot of fun well his landing spot's going to be yeah just such a fun fun thing to monitor the first night out of the draft um but we got positions to get to and, and we've got a lot of them to get to it in, in a few months here and and we're gonna start them off early we want to get to quarterback um i know that's been you know talked about a little bit in the Packernet circles this week even on the feed a little bit as well um but yeah i we're gonna talk especially the top four today sprinkling a couple names but we're going to give some initial rankings and just kind of talk about what we've seen to this point with these guys projection wise, you know, and what, what we have a question about each of these guys we'll talk to. Cause I think our rankings are going to be pretty similar if I had to yeah. guess. So we're going to throw in questions just so there's, you know, I know you're looking for a little, maybe, maybe you're looking for debate on the, on the show. And, and we're going to kind of go through, I think questions that could, Maybe bring about a little bit more. So Mason, who's your? I, we're going to start at four, right? Yes, that's the plan. Okay, we're going to count down to one. Mason, who is your number four quarterback in the twenty twenty three NFL draft?
2: Are you want me just to say the name, or you want me to like say anything, or you just wanted to kind of however up?
1: you want to take it? This is this is your spot right here. Okay, you, you can whatever you'd like to do.
2: Okay, I'll say what my number four is, and I'll let you go, and then we can kind of just bounce off each other. Okay. So my number four is Will Levis, quarterback from Kentucky.
1: Okay, I would agree with that, at least at this point. Yes. I hmm, there's a quarterback we're going to talk about a little bit later. I think um, down down the road. No, it's not Stetson Bennett. That's not who it is. There's a guy I think could sneak his way up here. Um, yeah. We'll, we'll probably talk about him a little bit later, but but Will Levis, I, I figured we could look at, uh, so obviously the raw stats this year, uh, twenty four hundred and sixteen passing yards, nineteen touchdowns, ten picks this year, uh, thirteen turnover worthy plays to just seven big time throws according to PFF. That is down from last year, and last year, good year obviously twenty four touchdowns, thirteen picks. 15 to 11 in terms of big time throws to turnover worthy plays. There was a little bit of turnover at Kentucky Mason, wouldn't you say?
2: Yeah.
1: Losing Luke Fortner at center, losing both tackles, Rosenthal and Kennard. Were they great tackles? Not necessarily, but when you're in college, you can get a little bit, you can get away with a little bit more. There's more margin for error at that level. So, again, they were pretty good players. So, three of the five offensive linemen gone. And like you just mentioned, Mason, Wandale Robinson as well out of there as really an explosive reliable slot receiver and I know that's where the argument's going to come a little bit for for Levis I think when people discuss you know oh why was there such a drop off this year and be like well he lost Robinson he lost offensive line and I think that's a little bit fair but also like Kentucky's not devoid of weapons in the passing game Mm -hmm. Barry and Brown is a very good freshman receiver and he was this year. I believe he made the SEC All Freshman team. So, for me, I, I, there was just something missing here. Yeah. And like, there's a lot. There's things to like. There's no doubt about it. Like, Mason, a question. Would he be your top quarterback in last year's draft? Maybe not.
2: Think he would? May it's literally like ver it. Because my number one was Redder, so like everyone was all over the place. So I would have probably put him number two, maybe number one.
1: Okay. What, like, is there something, like, if you want to dive into the report first and just talk about what you like and, and what maybe is just missing from the eval for you.
2: I guess it just felt like, just like you said, it felt like something was missing. It felt like when I went in, I was expecting something, like, a little bit more, I guess. And when I was watching, I was just kind of like, am I missing something? Like, I watched it late at night, so I might have to go, like, rewatch. at this point. I know I missed a game or two. I want to go back and watch. But it felt like – it just felt like he was super inconsistent to me. Like, I felt – I know he was dealing with some injuries this year and everything, so I don't know if that had something to do with it as well. Um, I felt like – you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like – Kentucky just kind of was a lot of scheme. And, like, once he got out of, like, whatever was in front of him, it just – the play kind of fell apart. Um, I felt like the pocket awareness was just almost horrendous at times to where, like, he wouldn't even, like, step up. He would just take the sack and not even try to move. Um, I feel like he's got some arm talent. The accuracy's hit, hit or miss. It just kind of felt off. Like, the decision-making was – I like him when he checks down, but it feels like he leaves a lot to be desired when he's chucking balls up into, like, double and triple coverage at times,
1: so. Yeah, there's some definite, like, trust-the-arm moments for him where you're like, hmm, I don't think you should do that. But then you see, like, the the, the Georgia game this year. I think it was might have been right away, right in the game. I think it was Uh, yeah right out to start. It's like, what is it, like, 27, 28-yard back shoulder high, ridiculously good throw to start the game off and you're like boom there it is stand up off the off your seat and be like all right let's roll bam this game against georgia is going to be good you'd like to see that and he and according to pff i mean he he graded decently well in the game it's one of his best games this year against georgia which is you know it's a pretty good (laughs) game to be you know at your best in as as we'll talk about with another quarterback i imagine pretty soon here but after that I agree. Then it was like, I think he can operate the quick game pretty well within the pot. I think he's good at anticipating where some windows are going to open up. He's good at anticipating that some of his guys are going to cross defenders in zone coverage, and he's going to be able to have windows. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily going to create windows like some of these other guys will. Like I said, that throw against, you know, back shoulder high against Georgia. That's, that's creating a window. That was insanely good there's one against northern illinois where he's throwing far hash back corner of the end zone my gosh that was something else but like you said then there's some layups that he misses back yeah and that's not unlike someone else we're going to talk about as well i think but like there are times where he also is drifting Mm
2: -hmm. when he's
1: making throws and he's on he he makes an adjustment on the move right he's 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 moving left somewhere and you see him can Continued to move left. He's off of his. He's off of kind of his his stance. He's off balance. He's trying to make something off platform happen. He doesn't need to be off platform. And you see an accurate ball behind somebody low wherever that is, right? And then he has that where he gets a little bit urgent too, where you know the screen game's coming up, right? You've got to get the ball out quick, and he's a little bit low on some of this. And when you have all this happening, like drifting out of the pocket, right? not staying balanced in your stance when you're throwing like all these things especially when you have the rotational type of mechanics that he has everything's going to get off off kilter and when he like i said when everything is consistent in the pocket and he's making the quick quick game work it looks very very good and but i like like you and you mentioned it as well there's touch throws and in intermediate and deep and outside the numbers that are just way way off it's not there. Then you see the Tennessee game, horrendous mm-hmm. football game from him. And yeah. you can just tell why, like there are just bad decisions there Four turnover where they plays in that game alone, just bad picks that he shouldn't eat that those throws should not be made. He's making them. There are just, I think times where it's like, okay, I'm, I, I must press now and everything goes away. Yeah. So I don't know. There It's interesting. Another thing is like operate play action too. That's the other thing. Part of the quick game, but play action is very good as well. And like the rhythm, when the rhythm is there, we're we're cooking. But when when something something changes, yeah, uh, and it doesn't even have to be a big thing. But it's like if one throw, you know, off platform is off. And like you said, his pocket management needs to get way better. He's a good athlete though, on the move. Like there's there's a lot there's stuff to like. But when just something clicks off then like there it is a snowball and it's hard for him to get it back
2: and another thing i want to point out is we talked about this yesterday like i even asked you i'm like is this correct and so like we talk about Levis, and it seems like he's kind of needs to develop a little bit more but you also need to remember he's already 24
1: that's the problem
2: so all these mock drafts have been going in top five even like top two you want to spend one of those picks on a 24 year old quarterback that you still need to develop? And like, as I said earlier, like I'm unsure if a lot of this, this year is due to injury. Or not. Like we're going to talk about, do you just want to get into the question now?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I think we can, I, and that's the other thing, right? Like you mentioned the age and he's going to be 24 in June. And and you know, do you want to be entering your prime potentially? after three years and feeling like development needs to still happen yeah when you're should be entering your prime 26 27 that's that's just a tough sell for me and and what's worse is it feels like the nfl's already sold yeah so there's that um yeah let's let's ask this so i think i don't i guess this was wasn't a question this was more of like an explanation right. um but I think we both think there's a spot open at the senior bowl there are five quarterbacks currently on the roster I believe um as of the roster reveal Mason why does he need the senior bowl because I think we both would probably say yes he needs it yeah but why do you what 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 can he gain there
2: i mean I guess it's just like none of these other like top quarterbacks are even like there so that's like the number one thing. Like you can separate yourself in the group that they have there currently, which yeah. for some reason isn't even pulling up on my screen right now.
1: Oh, like see those the guys. Oh, yeah. I got them. Um, it is. Hold on. Just give me about two seconds. There we go. Uh, I got Clayton Toon from Houston, Jake Hayner, Fresno State, Jaron Hall, BYU, Max Duggan, TCU, and then Tyson Bagent from Shepard University. So like,
2: We'll get to a few of those guys later in the cycle, most likely. We'll probably talk about a few even like later in this episode, but like, yeah. you have to remember, like, some of these guys aren't going to be taken until even day three. Maybe one or two, maybe will be taken on day two. Yeah, maybe. So you kind of have to show that you're the best quarterback in this group, and if you don't, then I don't know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah. he could easily go down there and show off the arm talent, show off the velocity that he can generate and, and and show off that like, okay, like this year was rife with inconsistencies. I take, I take full responsibility for that. And now I need to show that consistency is what I I can bring that to the table, especially as you know, a 23 going on 24 year old quarterback, show off some consistency down there. That's important. Um, yeah, I just, I hope that the NFL doesn't fall into what might be another Zach Wilson trap here.
2: I don't even think it's, like, that even similar. Like, draft tutor was all over Wilson. Like, I was even all over Wilson. And, like, it feels like draft tutors, like, stay away.
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm wondering if. But see, yeah, that's, yeah. But Wilson, he was even more of a, a pocket bailer than he is. So. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think there's something that we're, that the consensus is seeing that. And I mean, it is, it's for us, it's the inconsistency, right? Yeah. And accuracy and decision-making are not, not fully there. Um, And maybe the arm talent isn't as scintillating as Wilson's is. And that's yeah. where the kind of turnoff is. And, and also Wilson was a lot younger and that's that little mm-hmm. bit of a difference there, but this isn't to say that, you know, Will Levis shouldn't be a day to pick. I think no. we would both put him in that in yeah. that area for sure. It's just at some point like when you have a developmental player like this, you know, you would think, okay, developmental, perfect, right? He's 22, right? Like 21-22, like we can yeah. we got time, right? Like like Jalen Hurts. Like we got some time, right? And that's where Hurts was Hurts had a lot of great tools too. It was just like, okay, can he get can he keep getting better better as a passer? Can we get to the point where, you know, when he's 25 is he going to be ready to go and and they've certainly I feel like he's at least close to there. Um if he's not fully there because again, they loaded up around him, but I for Levis, it's like Levis is at right now I feel like where you'd look at him and be like is this like is this guy entering a second year quarterback and and he's building off it and he he's not in the NFL yet, so yeah. We're both a little turned off by it. I feel like at this point, um. So yeah, Will Levis. There's again when you look at even really quick before we go to break here and, and go to the top three like. The grid of, of, of I, I think this is just completed passes. I don't think it's necessarily on target passes, but you look at like down the field, especially uh, deep right of the field, one of 12 this year. Between the numbers, eight of 12 and outside lefty seven of 15. couple picks though down the field, right? So one touchdown, two picks, 20 plus. Mm-hmm. And Mattingly inconsistent to the right side of the field outside numbers left, not a lot to work with there. Um both sides outside the numbers and intermediate, he's he's, he's 5 for 12. It's not terrible, but like when you look at guys we're going to talk about pretty soon, mm. they're absolutely dominating the middle of the field intermediate. And, and I would and I would say between the numbers intermediate's good, 29 to 45 solid. You know, six touchdowns, but three picks over the middle of the field, you can tell that there's maybe some Decision making or arm arrogance, things that he wants to do over the middle that he just it's not going to happen or, you know, he's taking unnecessary risks that he shouldn't. Um, So, yeah, the grid isn't great, but we're going to take a break here and and we're going to get to our top three quarterbacks. We all have smartphones and we all know
0: they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal.
1: All right, back here after the break for uh, for it's always draft season. Uh, get to our top three quarterbacks. And then, like we said, we'll talk maybe briefly about a few others. Uh, Mason, who is your third quarterback in your rankings as of right now?
2: My third quarterback in the rankings is Anthony Richardson, quarterback from Florida.
1: I also have Anthony Richardson at three. Um, there's a lot to talk about with Anthony Richardson. You thought we we maybe went in on, on – on Will Levis. I think there's even more to discuss here. I want to talk quickly uh with PFF stuff just so we get that out of the way so we keep it more consistent. We'll talk kind of our thoughts afterwards. So, Richardson 2553 yards this year, 17 touchdowns, nine picks as a passer. Now we had a little bit more as a rusher as well, but we're going to focus on on this part right now, but 19 big time throws to 13 turnover worthy plays this year. However, you do see the Grading take a pretty massive jump overall and as a passer uh this past year. O- only threw what 63 yeah, 63 passes last year. Six touchdowns, five picks. So first full year as a starter and some in in the evaluation scouting, you know, Former league guys have talked about, you know, what the limit on their limit on starts were for a quarterback. Uh, I don't think Richardson would clear those. Nope. Uh, Trey Lance certainly didn't for them either. Mason, there's a lot to unpack. Oh, uh, really quick, go through the grid. This um, deep passing grades are good, by the way. PFF loves the deep passing <laughs> grades. Also, his intermediates are good. Completion percentage is a little bit different than it is. Bit on par with Levis in terms of the intermediate stuff outside the numbers. He's 15 of 30. That's outside left and right. Uh, But three touchdowns, no picks there. So that's good. Uh, 246 yards. So what's that? 8.3 yards per attempt. That's pretty good. Uh, 38 of 57 over the middle between the numbers. For 648, a touchdown, two picks. Passer rating in the NFL will be 96 there. But deep. Oh boy. Um, completion percentage isn't great, but he's hitting these for touchdowns. Uh, so deep 20 plus. We have what? Nine touchdowns, two picks. I know for a fact one of the picks was a Hail Mary throw against Tennessee. So I don't know what you want to say about that one. I know for a fact that's one of them, though, uh, in a game they were going to lose. So. You might even take that off, and it's one pick down the field. I know the pick. But, you know, 8 of 22 for 263 outside left, 12 of 27 for 486 between the numbers, 6 of 15 for 251, two touchdowns, no picks outside right. When he hits them downfield, he hits them downfield. Mason, thoughts on Anthony Richardson. Let's hear what you got.
2: I am asking the Florida pass catchers to catch the ball. Well, that's number one. That's one thing. Yes. Because watching the film on Anthony Richardson and making him just watching him make these crazy out of structure, like plays somehow miraculously still stay alive and like throw these perfectly thrown balls, to these receivers and just for them to drop them is, was infuriating in studying. Um,
1: like, you did ask me. You did ask me. Sat- yeah. last Saturday, you're like, I'm asking the literally a message from Mason. He says, I'm asking the Florida receivers to catch the ball. <laughs> and I told him their answer is no.
2: Yeah, clearly. Um, but uh the arm talent is crazy. Like he makes throws look absolutely effortless, even like 40, 50 yard throws. He, I can't remember which game it was. You was that almost midfield, and he literally like right out of his drop. Just plucks it deep downfield. I think it was almost either down at the two or a touchdown or something. I was just like, he wasn't even like at the end of his drop.
1: I think and that's he makes the LSU these, play. Yeah. That's yep. the LSU play.
2: And I'm like watching these. I'm like, he's making these absolutely off platform, crazy throws just look like nothing. Then again, you have the arm talent. It's similar to Levis. You get, Oh, look, I can make these throws any day of the week from time to time. Uh, So that's a little bit frustrating. I feel like the mechanics were slightly off at times just because – I don't know if it was – I think it was the footwork, pretty much everything. And just, like, watching it seemed to just change the trajectory of, like, a lot of the accuracy. I can't pinpoint which games they were, but, like, there was a throw where you had a guy running wide open up the seam from the left – and he almost threw it directly into the hands of the safety over the top. I was like, "Oh boy!" I think it might have been Kentucky.
1: I think you're correct.
2: Also, speaking of the Kentucky game, those two yeah two picks in that game, correct?
1: Yes, and one of them, yeah,
2: one of them. Well, both of our well, both of them are just kind of crazy. But the first one, I think he had a play action play. He was supposed to hit the fullback or the tight end underneath that came swiping across the formation. The defensive lineman just completely one-hand snagged it. I was like, okay, cool. And the second one was an RPO where the receiver is supposed to do a hitch because the DB was like 10, 12 yards off the line of scrimmage, and the receiver just ran a go, and Richardson threw the ball right to the DB for pick six. So there seemed to be some sort of miscommunication there between like receivers and everything a lot. Um, But there also was um, some decision-making issues that I saw. Um, I felt like he almost left receivers too early in the progression progression before they, like, really came open. And then also, like, he took a ton of, like, one-on-one situations, like, each game, even if, like, the defender was all over the receiver. So that kind of was like, eh. But, like, one thing that surprised me a lot was just the – pocket awareness for a guy that you expect to have like this, the mobility that Richardson has, which we'll get to in a little bit, but like the pocket awareness was insane to me. Cause he doesn't just immediately want to get out and run. He steps up, he feels pressure. Well, even if it's like behind him and see your like head bobbing to each yes. thing I say about this, like the pocket awareness was like absolutely insane for somebody that's known as like a rusher and everything. I was like, whoa,
1: there's so much to unpack here, <laughs> but like, yes, there. So, so yeah, let's, let's get to the, let's, I'm going to get to the good first. Um, Like Mason said, uh, just to expound on, on pocket awareness. Like there are just times where there, there is chaos happening in front of him around. Like it is, it is just like it, He, he, you feel like, oh, he can't escape this. And, and he has done just that. And it's, and it's moving left, moving right, stepping up. Like, like Mason said, he isn't like looking to run immediately if something isn't there. It's very rare. And if, if that is the case, it's normally something like an RPO where he's like, oh crap, it's not there. I, I should have either handed it off or, and I'm, or I'm just going to tuck it myself. There are plays like that for sure, but it's, it's a one read or I'm out type of thing. Which, some, which one quarterback has, like, all over his film. Anyway, um, but, like, he has great feel. The eyes are staying downfield. He isn't <laughs> dropping his eyes to the rush, which, by the way, something Levis definitely does. Yes. Um, Richardson's eyes are glued downfield. He's hunting for big plays when he's moving around in the pocket, and that's really good. Now, does he have a little – does he get overly – overly patient in the pocket doesn't maybe hold on a little bit too long sometimes when there's rushing from the blind side that gets a little bit too deep yes that happens and he takes some sacks and that's unfortunate so maybe you know having a little bit more of a clock at those points when it's like four or five seconds you feel like okay probably my guy behind me he's not blocking the guy anymore uh I should probably get out of here but he stays in there he delivers Like the arm talent, the velocity he puts on the football makes the receivers drop the ball. It's got to be like far breaking fingers of guys. Like it's got to be that type of thing where the receivers just must hate it a little bit. Um, maybe in practice as well, where he's just firing haymakers, trying to throw the ball through the sound barrier or something. But like, yeah, when he flicks the wrist and it's on the money, holy crap! And he can do it like on the move. Like he'll get out of the pocket, he'll extend. Like when he rolls right on the move, peppers, he can pepper with guys. And so there's so much here. And like we said, I think, I think you, like you said, he's actually moving through progressions pretty quickly,
2: Yeah,
1: maybe too quickly, which is something that, you know, you can kind of dial back a little bit more. Uh, Maybe he feels like he just can't be that patient with his reads, but a little more patient in the pocket. I actually also think that he throws with more anticipation than yeah. my number two quarterback in this class, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah. I think he throws a little more anticipation. I think he knows, okay, seam balls coming out. My guy's going to pass this defender. This seam ball is going to, going to hit, because I know this is going to be there. There are times where I'll tell you, there's a throw. That's the throw I remember. This is what I wanted to remember. Not the LSU one where he flicks it 55 yards on the money, though. That's a great throw. It's the Georgia game. They're running stick, okay? They're running stick to the bottom of the screen, okay? And the Georgia guys are sitting on it. The outside corner, they're playing trap coverage. He's sitting on this out route. And Richardson, and the safety. Honestly, I think the safety was like, oh, yeah, he's throwing it there. He won't even dare to throw the go route. And Richardson's like, all right, but yeah, I'll throw the go route just over the safety, on the money, long touchdown. Just a sickening good throw. And you could tell he hitched himself a little bit too to get to that because I do think he was initially looking through that out route. But just the ability to quickly hitch and adjust and make it just a beautiful throw for a touchdown against Georgia, that was just a sickening good play from Anthony Richardson. And like plays like that, plays like anticipating the scene, plays like anticipating out of deep hook routes, he does this, I promise you. There are deep hook routes all over the place. Tennessee game, uh LSU game, especially those two where you see guys getting dropping their hips into their break, and Richardson ball separated from 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 his mm-hmm. other hand. And you're like, all right, that's coming out on time. And man, when he hits, when he hits throws down the seam, when he hits throws down the field, you're like, this is, this is golly, we're gonna have a problem. And then there's the rushing ability. <laughs> Eighty-yard <laughs> touchdown or something against lsu he will lower the shoulder on you too there is a yeah. tennessee he just he's like yeah i'll run you over and like he's big enough to do that right he's yeah 6'4, 230 that's plenty big enough like he's not afraid to do that either but he's also got the speed it's he's gonna be devastating he'd be devastating in philly's offense too like hurts yeah was. just devastating It's
2: like power mixed with like making guys miss speed. He's like spinning like he was like two yards short of first down. And I can't remember what game. I think it might have been LSU. And he just spins out of the tackle and like gains an extra four yards. And I was like, what?
1: Oh, wait. Yeah. The spin, the spin out of a tackle from the pocket. I think he fumbled on that play too. Yes. The ball dropped. Yes. I saved this play. The ball drops out of his hands or he fumbles. And he's like, I'll just pick this up runs out makes a guy miss spin move five yards you're like this well this is just dumb crap that happens uh i'm gonna share that clip tomorrow that's that's a great yeah yeah great it's like oh yeah just just normal things happening at florida this week (laughs) um but the bad uh like mason said there are some decisions that i think he you can't make He, he wants to fit the ball into windows he shouldn't like mason said he there are Go routes, fade routes, whatever you want to call it, on the perimeter. Where he's like, "Yeah, I want this one." Even though the cornerback's definitely like on top of the receiver still, and and I think he he trusts his receivers, which is great. But like, those are ones you're not getting. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to work the back shoulder if you're going to make those throws. There are a few of them that should have been back shoulder, and their touch throws well over the receiver. So the accuracy's the touch is the problem. Yeah, touch is the biggest thing. Which is interesting because there's a quarterback or two the past few drafts that had issues with touch as well, but they throw just rocket balls up the seam. Uh, but he he leaves a lot because, like Mason said, there's there's seam routes where if he's throwing with touch instead of instead of his laser line throw that he likes, he can hit more of these plays. But that's what gets him into trouble, and that was that first Kentucky pick that the guy stuck his hand up one handed on looking for the flat route. Like, if you just throw that with touch, you get that over the defender, mm. we're good. We're not throwing a pick there. So he has to be able to, to, to have the changeup with the fastball that he already has. And like you said, I think, honestly, zero to nine yards, quick game, he is not very good. No. <laughs> he is not very good at this. Uh, he rushes RPOs. Yeah. You can tell that he's really rushed and wants to get the ball out. That leads to accuracy issues. He leaves a lot of layups on the field, low, high, whatever, because I think, like you said, he's there are times where he is short game, hitch route, like I got to have this one, and he's throwing in the dirt or he's throwing over his head, and like guys are making a jump. So they're like the quick game is, is a struggle. He's going to have to mechanically fix a lot of the things uh, that you like from him in like off script plays or deep throws. He's got to bring that to the quick game. But, man, is he exciting. He is. He's very exciting. It's
2: I want to answer the question.
1: Okay. All right. You answer the question. Uh is where is it? Wait. Shoot. I I scrolled past it. Uh is Anthony Richardson as raw as everyone says?
2: I say no. Like I say no through and through because like there's so much on tape. There's so much on tape that's just like the accuracies are Concern. I didn't think it was like terrible from time to time, but like the arm talent is always there. You can make any throw look super easy if it's from like the opposite hash and everything. Um, But like the decision making will get there. He's only a redshirt sophomore. He's, is he 21, 20,
1: something like that? He is. He'll be 22 May 22nd. Yeah. So So after the draft.
2: Like he's a starter for what, one year? not even, yeah, like, a oh, year and a half.
1: A year and a yeah, still games,
2: I think. Yeah, he's still raw, but, like, the stuff that's already there, you have so much to work with. All you really need to find out is, like, tell him to kind of calm it down a little bit. Yeah. Don't try to play as much hero ball as he's doing. Yeah. But, like, you don't have to have... I don't think he'd work in, like, a system that's all, like, super RPOs and just short game, quick game. And like the out of structure stuff that Anthony Richardson does is like amazing. Like,
1: the Utah play? Yes. The, he's, he's jump throwing and like he's, he's made jump throws too in other Phil, but like the jump throw where he spins out of the Utah guy who like jumps because he's throwing and like he's able to spin out, and find a guy. Like what is that?
2: Yeah. It's, that? it's insane. Like a guy, like a team like Carolina, yeah, you could play Darnold for a few games, but then if you guys struggle, Boom, Richardson's in, and he has DJ Moore. If you I mean, get another receiver in there, because we all know my you know, pet peeve about that other guy in Carolina's receiver room, like they, I think Carolina's got to be a spot.
1: Yeah, I, I well, I actually. So you you mentioned you don't like him in a system that's a lot of RPO quick game. You'd probably like you know heavy play action. Yes. Dump and chuck. Yes. Oh, boy, I got a team in the top 10 for you that's going to do a lot of play action, dump and chuck, yeah. and run the football a lot. Atlanta yeah. Falcons. Welcome, Anthony Richardson. Uh, <laughs> he's got two dudes that he can throw it up to, actually, yeah. that can, you know, maybe help him out with the little catch radius issues that he's going to have maybe some accuracy-wise when he's kind of growing through growing pains in Drake London and, and Kyle Pitts. You had a third guy there. Um, You have Patterson who can play, you know, kind of both spots even if you know you want to keep him there for a while like he would he he's a Seattle guy yeah that's the thing like he's a Seattle guy this is that's the system for him they're not running RPOs there really this is oh man Geno Smith better be concerned yeah like there's just so much to work with here and like that's that's the thing like it's it's very it's very strange to see like because I think PFF's got this perfectly correct. And, like, when you look at, like, the, the depth passing and stuff, like, legitimately, the quick game is, and short passing is bad. The accuracy is yeah. all over the place. And, like, as you get further down the field, it's better, which is just stupid. And, like you said, is he raw? I want to answer that, too. Like, no. Like, pocket movement we talked about. Anticipation. Two things I did not expect to see at all. And he's got him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking myself into something that I probably shouldn't, but like, this is also, by the way, this is not another Malik Willis. Like, this guy, no, can, actually far, very far from. This guy can actually, can actually throw far from. and he processes way better. Like, come on. Uh, would I take him in the first? Yeah. Um, yes. He's 21 and you get a fifth year. Yep. Would I take him in the top 10, you probably have to, though. That's the problem. Yeah. Bro. That's the, thing. the man is going to put you in that position. He feel, feels more like a and of first round type of player to me right <laughs> now, maybe early two with the growth potential to be QB one in a few years. He's yeah. like, we'll talk about the other, we're going to talk about the other two, but like, man, like the ceiling for this kid.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, insane. it's
1: absurd. There are <laughs> things that like, you'd be like, Oh yeah, he's 21 raw pass or like, no, no, he does these things. We just need to work on these things. You're like, shouldn't that be flipped? It should, but it's not. So it's crazy. Um, but hey, fifteen. Um, moving on from Rogers and there's there was a go. Yahoo mock that did it that didn't yep. did it. They took Richardson and was like, yeah, Jordan Love, Anthony Richardson duel in Green Bay. Yeah, maybe, maybe, um, maybe. All right, Mason, who you got at number two? Number two, I have CJ
2: Stroud, quarterback of
1: Ohio State. All right. I also have CJ Stroud at two, and and I actually had him I would say at one coming into this season, yeah. Um, and you know I, a little bit maybe underwhelming season, but then he, yeah. he sort of capped it off with probably the best QB performance yes. I've seen all year, not by a player named Caleb Williams, yes. Um, who we'll be talking about next nice year, yeah. Um. So just quick, some raw stuff for, for, for Stroud here. Uh, Last two seasons here, which he started obviously through uh, 85 touchdowns, 12 picks that any good Um, 56 big time throws, but there are 28 turnover worthy plays on there. A dots fairly high uh, for, for a quarterback like him and how he plays at 10.7. That's again, Maybe a little bit of product of room he's got. Uh, however, he is good short and great deep. I'm saying yep. according to PFF, uh, the, the splits are really good deep, believe it or not. Um, he's hitting 17 of 29, 20 plus between the numbers, 641, eight touchdowns, two picks, has four touchdowns, no picks, 14 of 32 outside the numbers, 20 plus. So great numbers there. He's still crushing it in the intermediate area for the most part, even though the grade isn't up to par with the other two. But he dominates the quick game. Uh, but intermediate, he's got what, fifteen touchdowns, three picks. So he is certainly um been phenomenal in, in really everything he's done to this point. Mason, thoughts on CJ Stroud? I think it's
2: quite a little bit different from the past two quarterbacks we've talked about because they all both had like
1: big, super
2: powerful arms. And whereas like Stroud's a lot about like accuracy and placement. Uh, like I'm gonna start off by saying like the placement, like wherever he puts the ball, like only his receivers, which to be fair, receivers are very very good. Yes, he puts it where only they can catch. It. Um, like the back shoulders, like the down low, like super high. It's, it's, it's very good. Um, He clearly knows like what he's doing in the system. He, I think he goes through progressions very well. Um, But like once he's out of structure kind of gets a little bit kind of concerning. One thing that kind of surprised me a little bit was like the pocket awareness was not as bad as Levis, but I felt like it was kind of a little bit of a concern for me just like not moving as much in the pocket, just taking the sacks instead of just, trying to find your check down, trying to throw it away close to another receiver. That was kind of like my thing. That was kind of like, whoa, that's a little bit weird. Obviously, the Georgia game put to rest a lot of the mobility concerns that a lot of people had. Obviously, that's one game. But I felt like even seeing him in previous games, other than the Georgia game, I felt like he could throw the ball very well on the run. But you mentioned the turnover-worthy plays, and I felt like there was some decision-making kind of concerns, just trying to throw it up, chuck it up, the double-triple coverage, and the first game I actually watched for Shroud was the Iowa game, so that was probably not the greatest start to that, just kind of chucking it all the way across your body into double-triple coverage, but, like, you could still see that, which, does that have to do with, you know, you having Marvin Harrison Jr.? Probably. But you probably won't have that guy in the
1: NFL. So, yeah, I think you can probably dial back aggressiveness with him, and I think he'll take that to heart and understand that. I do think, yeah, part of it is like, oh, Marvin Harrison Junior. is down there somewhere, um, and he definitely has that. And but I do, I, I the Iowa game is interesting to me because it says he's got three turnover worthy plays, which is correct. What um, three turn? I think there are three because there's there's um, yeah. So the one over the middle. The Campbell pick, the Campbell pick yep. was one. There were two others. That's true. I thought there, there was... were more than three big time throws in that game, though. Yeah. I thought he had more than three in that game. I'm gonna be honest. I, th- I think 29 big time throws this year. I think there's more. Yeah. To be honest. Oh,
2: yeah, that's what I would also say. I think there's more than more
1: there's more than two in the Notre Dame game. Even though the I Notre Dame watch. game wasn't very great on his part, I think there were a lot of things. You know, first game of the season, shake off the rust a little bit. But I think he got it together, and I thought there were more than two big time throws in that game. Mm. I thought there were more than two in the Michigan State game. I thought there were more. Yeah, than definitely in the Michigan
2: State game. Definitely. There were more
1: than three in the Iowa game. Now he had the, the pick in the Michigan State game that's pretty much the same as Richardson's against um yeah. yep. the second one against Florida, where it was like the miscommunication. Thought the RPO was there. Nope. Receivers running yeah. a go route through to the defender. That happens. We've seen that before. But more than only two big time throws in the Penn State game? Two? That seems slow. And then there were three turnover-worthy plays in that game. Michigan, three big-time throws. I think there were more than three big-time throws in that game, too. Even if you don't count the early Marvin Harrison one, which I thought was pretty good back shoulder. Like, you're giving him a chance to make that play. Like you said, he kind of gets aggressive like that at times. But George game, only four? I think the one to Marvin Harrison in between two defenders, cone coverage, backed up in your end zone if that's completed. pretty sure that one counts. Yep. Uh, if that's completed, a little bit high, maybe a little bit high, but that was that was if that's if that's six inches lower, that's the best story he's made all year. Yep. Like that was how would I struck like that out of
2: bounds when I first watched that? Uh, yeah. Like
1: really like, like, into the stands. Yeah. Well, oh, that one too. The where yeah. Harrison got hurt. Yeah. Oh no, I'm talking. He's backed up on the end zone. Cone coverage on Harrison. And he threw it like just a little bit. Too oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So that throw was on there. Then, like you said, yeah, the one to Harrison, in the end zone, it looked like he's yeah throwing that, you know, that that came out of a plane, Mm -hmm. um, but like was on target to him. He does that sometimes out of the pocket where it looks like he's throwing it away and he's he's really legitimately only giving his receiver a chance to toe tap on the sidelines and the placement, Mm -hmm. like you said, unbelievably good at times. There are like throws where you would probably call them placement plus plus throws on his film where you're like, that's that's not something you should try unless you're like that accurate Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and that ridiculously precise that he is. Yeah. I think he runs the offense really well. I think he operates the quick game. Well, he just doesn't throw with a lot of anticipation, which I was kind of disappointed in. Um, Like I said, I think Richardson has more anticipatory throws than, than Stroud really does. But I also think, you know, you could tell like end of season, Michigan game, Georgia game, that he just got on a heater. With like a yeah. lot of throws. I know one of the tight ends, I think it was probably Stover who dropped that touchdown. Yeah, It was a good play by the Michigan DB, but like he rolled right, threw it back, left corner, like great throw. So like the, the throw, the ridiculous throws are all over the place with him. Like his accuracy is incredible. But like you said, I think the Georgia game though is something where evaluators, if they have just started, right? Like if you're just starting now and you're like bringing everybody together and you're like, okay, I want to talk about CJ Stroud. Let's bring up the game against the number one defense in college football and see what he's got. Like, that's where they're going to go to first. That yeah. and probably Michigan, maybe Notre Dame as well. And you're like, all right, how does he handle these games? I think they're going to come away really impressed. Yes. Um. There are times, though, where he looks like he's ready to run the play as designed when it's a one reader. And it's like, you probably should throw that. Yeah, And he needs to get out of that a little bit. I also think, I think his eyes are insanely quick progression wise. He gets through them so fast. Maybe like you said, with Richardson, it might be too fast at times that he's getting through these, but like he can get, he can almost do one, two, three back to one. If one's still there, like that's how good he is at like resetting his feet, getting his eyes where he needs to be. I'm thoroughly impressed with this guy. I, I don't think there's really a whole lot of questions, like you said, pocket mm-hmm. anticipation and some turnovers that you're probably not going to see him do because he might not have Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, if he goes and has Michael Pittman Jr. and Now Pierce, you know, yeah. two big bodies, how, mu- yeah. how much is he going to throw these up to these guys? I don't know. But they're... question for Stroud really quick. What's his ceiling?
2: I mean, it still feels like there's a little bit more to like be found, I guess. Because like there's still some decision making roles and like you could really fine-tune his pocket awareness and like the mobility, you saw what it can be. Yep. he can still be that kind of quote unquote like full quarterback prospect. But I'm kind of wondering, like if you look at the teams at the top, Indy, depending on who they hire, of course. Yeah. Houston, depending on who they hire, I think the Raiders, depending on what they want to do. I don't know what's going on there. They At might least just you, be- have you have Devonte if yeah. you go there. You got Waller, you got Renfro. That would be solid. You got the running game. Yeah. Like. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. Say what you want to say about the head coach. It seems like you've got a decent enough
1: supporting a, cast. At least a good play designer as yeah. well. But I think take yes. advantage of it. Yeah,
2: I feel like Stroud is... Kind of got it like a bad rap a little bit just because, you know, the Ohio State quarterback and then like here comes Will Levis out of nowhere. It's a, again, it's kind of like the whole Justin Fields thing, well, slightly. Is he going to get pushed down the board as much? Hopefully not. I'd say no just because of the quarterback needy teams at the top. But were you, um, how close is it between two and three for you?
1: I think it's closer than I thought it would be, truthfully. Um, I I truly don't know if like any of these guys are going to be in like the tier where you're like, Oh yeah, this is uh, like a certain blue chipper. And and (laughs) obviously young may not be because of the height. And that's like the one reason. And it's like a ridiculously, ridiculously tough outlier to bet on. But like for me, like Stroud's ceiling feels like Dak um, when Dak is rolling, rolling like he was Monday night against Tampa Bay. I feel like that's where he can be. I, you showed the mobility again. He can run like that's that's clearly a thing he can do. He got he got into field goal range against Georgia with that. He had the touchdown like, touchdown run or was it just a long run against Northwestern? I can't remember if he scored or not. I think I might have called it back at the like four two yard line. But Like I think the ceiling is really there where he can be the engineer running this offense as long as he gets just a tick pass with anticipation. You know, I think you see again mobility when he's out of structure is reset and he's firing and, and it's good and it's on time and like, he can he can he can be either someone who's riding the elevator with the offense but i think he could also potentially be the elevator for the offense yeah as long as he continues to grow you know with with just how he sees things pre-snap where he's going post-snap and again like i said just being better managing the pocket and and throwing with more anticipation i think he's got a good chance to be he 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 could be qb1 when all said and done like if yeah. you looked 3 years back it wouldn't shock me at all no, no. All right, let's get to number one. Both of us, I think, have Bryce Young as the top right. quarterback. Uh, just to go through the numbers quick, obviously the last two seasons for him, uh, 79 touchdowns and 12 picks. Uh, that would be 59 big-time throws to 24 turnover-worthy plays, 23 to 9 in favor of this year. So a little bit down in both, but cut down on some turnover-worthy plays. Uh Deep and medium passing are ridiculously good. Uh, I think he's the best intermediate passer in the class by far. It's not close for me. He, he's dominant there. Deep ball looks really good. Um, and he just doesn't really turn the ball over that much. Uh, deep passing grade to the right 20 plus. He's 10 of 17 for 313 and four touchdowns. <laughs> That's a 99.3 <laughs> on BFF skill. It's stupid. 11 big time throws. Um, Mason, what do you got to say about Bryce Young?
2: Is is there a lot? I feel of- like it's. I feel like it's almost like a study that you were just like, okay, yeah, that matches. The only like concern out of like the height I have is like, it felt like the arm strength kind of like tailored off a little bit at times, to where like he couldn't make some deep downfield throws and he underthrew it where it would have been six.
1: Uh, I can't remember. Do you do you remember Which, what game that was? No, because I was wondering if it was post shoulder injury. It could have been. That's, that's the one thing. Cause I feel yeah. like the Georgia SEC championship game was like, yeah. Boom. Full go. But yeah, go.
2: Um, I felt like I was almost like, kind of like trying to find the littlest things to kind of like grade him on. Like the accuracy concerns, I felt like only one big throw was like a wheel route to the running back against Auburn. He like barely overthrew him. And then, uh, like the last throw that he had, he completely stared down the hitch route and the, linebacker safety read it perfectly but like Bryce is a fantastic prospect I feel like progression wise he's very good and like pocket awareness he's good as well probably a little bit better than Anthony Richardson which you know it is what it is mobility is also there so it's just like trying to find the holes in this game is kind of difficult Yeah, but they're going to try to do it just because of the size which I get but
1: yeah, yeah. It really hurts because if like a guy we're potentially going to talk about here at the end of the show, like if he was six foot two Oh four, it doesn't even No, it's over. It's over. That's the blue chip done. I, I don't, but it's like, he might legitimately be five ten, 185. And that yeah. is scary. There's just no doubt about it. Um, For me, Bryce young, I think just, emulates like everything you want to see from an engineer of an offense yeah like pre-snap oh we got protection to get to we're going here with this protection oh i see something pre-snap i want to get to this play instead anticipatory throwing is off the charts good like it's over and over and over you see it all over the place he's precise with throwing the football like said interme- I think intermediate passing it, it's cool that PFF matches it it's very nice to see like that they're seeing what I saw like it's it's unbelievable does he leave it a little bit on the bone sometimes because he doesn't see it that's possible I've seen some that he's missed over the middle at times but like when he's throwing those they're accurate they're on time they're giving receivers a chance to make a playoff the, with the ball in their hands like is his arm strength overwhelming no but like again everything else just checks off and like the one thing that maybe is weird is like he backpedals into his, his drop, but like he's clearly timed it up perfectly no matter what throw he's, he's making. So am I that concerned about it? No, I don't think so. And that's the poise. It's, it's being under control when, when everything around you is, is chaotic, like Auburn game, final drive, got to go tie this game. We tie the game last year, Tennessee, we got to go blow for blow with this high powered offense. Cause our defense can't stop anybody. I got this. We're good. If Jameer Gibbs catches the ball, he threw to him on the Texas route. Bama wins. Yep. Yeah. He went toe to toe and should have won. And that's with like decent receivers, like decent receivers. Without Jameer Gibbs. Oh boy. That offense. Yeah. It uh, doesn't have a lot there. So it was nice to see him without Mechie and James and Williams just continue to tear things up and not miss a beat. He's a stud. Uh, Please be a little heavier than we think, and I feel yeah. a little bit better. But again, he's mobile; he can create out of structure, no problem either. So, like, it's all there. Mason, should he be the first quarterback off the board?
2: Uh, I would probably say yes. Just, I mean, it depends on like what teams there. Obviously, if it's Indy, there's always the rumors that oh, they want the bigger quarterback or whatever. Yeah, it's just, I think it should be young. I, to be honest, I felt like it was kind of closer between two and three than it was one and two.
1: So it was just kind of how I thought thought about it. Yeah. I think Bryce Young could be the elevator. Uh, and there's yeah. No question about it. Yeah. It's a, the, he, I, I came into the year thinking he was the artist a little bit more than the scientist. No, he's both. He's both scientist and artist. He's an engineer with creativity beyond bounds and boys it a lot of fun to watch him play. And I can't wait for him on Sundays. Um, <laughs> he it really like there and it stinks if he goes to Houston like that just <laughs> sucks honestly um yeah. i'd love if he could go to like carolina or you know i would love if detroit said let's go get him. um that would make me very pleased i know packers fans probably wouldn't be pleased with that but like nope you know? mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean that's that's where we sit with our top 4 um and let's let's get into a few uh Kind of guys that are a little bit down the board that that we want to just highlight as not maybe sleepers, but other guys that you should be watching. So, Mason, anybody you want to bring up as we go outside the top four, probably the only four that are going to be first round picks, uh, who jumps out to you the most?
2: Um, the only one I've really watched in depth has been Endon Hooker. Um, obviously, that's kind of a different situation. Uh, completely. Completely different than the other four we just discussed. Um, Henan Hooker played in a vertical spread scheme that just really is completely different to anything that's used in the NFL today, other than if you want to look at Cliff Kingsbury's Arizona Cardinals. Now that is kind of out the window. Um, another thing that we discussed earlier with Levis is that he's like 24, and like now Henan Hooker's already 25.
1: Yes. Twenty five as so, of six days ago. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So the whole entire like day two talk might of kind of I mean he might be like a day three, I meant round three guy, but like I don't know if anyone's gonna really take him like early enough. I wanna get more film on some of these guys. Uh there's not much all twenty twenty all twenty two on like a guy like Jake Hayner that I really want to look at. The next one I'll probably really look at is uh Clayton too. So the games probably- of
1: his out there. Yeah. Actually, against good competition too, and I've looked yep. at them: Kansas, mm-hmm. Texas Tech, and Tulane. So you get yep. two games of of Power Five, and then one of the best of the group of five. And you, yeah, I'm excited I, to look at that. I, I so, thought he did. I thought he did decent that, in those games. Yeah.
2: Actually, excited to look at it. Kind of get more film on some of these guys from like Senior Bowl stuff. I'll let you talk about the guy. I think we probably will kind of both have a big crush on by the end of Senior Bowl week.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, I was I was intrigued to, to look at Clayton Tune, and I, I I was you know I thought nope, arm is solid, you know, mobility was a little better than I thought. Um, you know, I I thought actually like accuracy wise, it, it, he he feels like a player who can stick as a backup. Also, like we said, Hennon Hooker, twenty five, also ACL terror against South Carolina. Yeah. That's gonna you know potentially what's that timeline look like? Like I said, I think. 67 attempts uh, a deep passing for Henan Hooker, obviously in a vertical scheme. That is the most of the top, you know, five. If you count him as five, right now of uh, him and the other four, that's the most attempted. He grades out really well there. Obviously, I mean, when he's hitting those, he is. They they, they were a dominant offense, and that's very clear. Uh, things definitely got streaky though with him, and I I thought the accuracy wanes everywhere a little bit as well. Intermediate, especially, but again, he isn't attempting a ton of intermediate outside the numbers. More of that's in between the numbers. But even then he's just a a tick over 50%. Not something I like there. I, I like I said I thought the accuracy waned a little bit. And he's first read and go as a runner. There's yeah. not a lot of pocket like Movement or whatnot, but, like, he's still a, a solid player who I think can stick as a backup. It's just, like, at 25. Yeah. I don't know about that. Um Jake Hayner's a fun player. There's no doubt about it. He's got that Minshew gamer about him. Mm-hmm. Stetson Bennett feels more not like Minshew at all. He's probably going to get those same comps. He's smaller, like, young, a little bit taller. Uh I feel like he... Is very calm and controlled. He's already 25 though as well. Yeah. So like that's the other thing with him. He was 25 middle of the season, by the way. Yeah. Uh, for Georgia. So like can he stick as a backup? Yeah. If if I were to bet on anyone that's not like the top four, that isn't our favorite guy, if I don't count him, like Tanner McKee's only 22, uh 6'6 to 26. Interested to dive more into him, but from what I've like seen already, I think he in like the intermediate short area. Good understanding of where leverage is and where he needs to attack. Uh, he's got a little bit of an arm, I think. You know, attached attached to him. I think he he can push it down the field. He wasn't working with a lot of windows at Stanford because he's you know they got like six, three, yeah. 220, 230 twenty two hundred thirty pound guys that don't separate downfield. So it's like, all right, we'll create the window for yourself. Um, more just to see what I can get from him. There I don't have a lot on McKee at the moment, tape wise. But then there's Jaron Hall <laughs> from BYU. Uh yeah, he is he's almost 25 as well. So that's that's a little bit the drawback with him, but I will say, like, he's I think probably both of our favorite non top four guy, I would say. And like good anticipatory thrower, good touch thrower. Not the greatest arm, but it doesn't like absolutely hinder him in any way. Um, I think this is more people what people want Zach Wilson to eventually turn into is a strong yeah. pocket passer who can operate things really well at a high level. Like if I were to bet on anybody to be the quality backup, like give me some spot starts. It's Jaren Hall to me. Yeah, Um. it just doesn't feel like there's like going to be like a Prescott in this class where it's like oh yes he's drafting the third or fourth round we're not going to see a lot of that like quarterbacks is which of the first rounders are good that's you know not an easy thing to do at all uh to determine and then it's okay day two and day three who's the you know guy who could be the quality backup spot starter and that's so that's kind of where I'm at with, with Hall and those. I think Hall mm-hmm. is probably the best of the bunch. It'll be interesting to see Bajent down in in Mobile. Yeah, What all time leader touchdowns and yards in college football from Shepard. Like, should be very interesting to see. Any final thoughts? Any Max Max Dugan Dugan thoughts? Uh, TCU or?
2: I mean, yeah, I think he has like that kind of like it factor a little bit. Just he wants to win and everything, but I don't think he really translate to anything at the next level
1: so to speak yeah so we i think we both say it feels like a four quarterback plus you know a few guys who could stick oh. around for a while like hall and maybe a couple others who can stick around as career backups like this is it's a solid class at the position and i think you know we'll, we'll kind of i i don't think the top four grades are probably going to move i imagine i'm not going to speak for mason i'm necessarily but he's he's shaking his head no he doesn't think so so our top four will probably stay like that um not gonna let any combine throwing or pro day throwing really (laughs) affect things i'm sure levis is gonna make some cool pro day throws on air don't care um but it'll be interesting to see when we kind of go through later about our our five through ten and how kind of those guys shake out we'll kind of go maybe a little bit more in depth on those guys at some point when we got time when when there's more film to come out because like i said i think there's only one of hall this year that i have is that and I think that's yep. all you have too, right? Is the Baylor game. Yeah. I'd like to get a little bit more than that on him. And then there's, you know, like we talked about, we talked McKee would like to see a little bit more too. So we'll get dive in on those guys a little bit more. But um that's gonna do it for this week's show. Uh want to potentially look into like we, we talked about the two a week. We're hopefully gonna get there at some point. Obviously, the senior bowl is in what 10 days is starting to arrive. Mondays are the way in so then we'll like. You know, we'll probably get a preview showing for you guys for sure for that um, next week. So be on the lookout there. Kind of talk some guys as well that we'll hopefully going to get to and scout this week. And um, yeah, to to um, wrap up, Mason, where can they find you?
2: Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Thompson Twenty Two Mason.
1: You can follow me at Jake NFL Draft. Uh thank you guys for listening to this extra long episode on, on mostly four quarterbacks, but we wanted to go really in depth with this. So hope you guys enjoyed that. We will catch you guys next week. Thank you.